Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Coffee and Books podcast. I'm your host, Scott. We have another exciting book for us today. It is a very, very exciting time indeed. Uh, So before we begin, hi, if you don't know me, my name is Scott. I like to review different types of coffee and books. Um, Love getting my coffee from Atlas Coffee. If you haven't tried them yet, Atlas Coffee is a coffee that can be shipped to your door. Um, right now, this month, I'm trying Guatemalan coffee, which I just finished a full bag of that stuff. I mail it, it comes every once in a while you need it. You can do as small as half a bag or as many as multiple bags each month. They send you a postcard uh, with where, whatever type of coffee you're getting. It's super exciting. So definitely check out Atlas Coffee. Um, and I can't wait to tell you where I try coffee next. All right, so. Um, if you want to reach me again, I like to shout this out at the beginning of my podcast, uh, please reach out to me at Scott, S-C-O-T-T, Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N, 16 at yahoo.com. Um, and other exciting announcements, I also want to say I have a wordpress.com. Uh, it is also linked now to, uh, this podcast. So if you search for my coffee and books, on WordPress, you'll be sent a link to this podcast as well. So hopefully we have some new listeners soon. So uh, if you're a fan of the WordPress blogs, where I type about my books as well, you'll be a fan of the podcast. All right. So, uh, okay, a little bit more about today's book. It's Before I really get into the details of it, it is very exciting because this is the first book I've ever read that I don't agree with. So... I've read a lot, many books in my time, and there's very few that I would consider crackpot science or science that is hard to back up you know, with hard evidence. This might be the first one I've ever come across where that's the case. It doesn't make it any less exciting. It's still out there, and you know, it's not aliens built the pyramids out there, but it's still quite out there. So let's hear about it. All right, so 1421, for those of you who don't know, was the year that China... Uh, actually discovered America. That is the title of today's book, and it is also the biggest, boldest statement you will ever probably hear about the ancient Chinese medieval empire. So where does it begin? Well, quite simply, a long time ago, in the year 1421, there were ships that were sent out from China, from the Forbidden City, to explore the world. And these ships supposedly anchored not only in places like, you know, North America and South America, and Africa, they also went to places like Australia, New Zealand, 300 years before those islands were quote-unquote discovered. They went to Antarctica, they tried to reach the North Pole, they tried to go to South, you know, or, or South Pole. Uh, they were just pretty much everywhere. Um, they are credited with discovering things like the Magellan Strait, and they were credited with starting colonies, and building cities and increasing trade. And there is some evidence, a full disclaimer, there is some evidence to support these causes. However, after I talk about the book, I'm going to talk about what I thought about it and what I agreed and disagreed with. So let's get into it. Basically, this book is all about a historian's perspective about how he has chased the discovery of the Chinese exploring the world before the Europeans. And why is that important? Well, for a multitude of reasons. The entire uh, society that we have based our European ideas of the West are based around the fact that the Europeans had enlightenment and were quote-unquote discovering new places with science and math. 
But what if I told you all that science and math was actually from other parts of the world, places like Asia, the Middle East, and Africa? Uh, those ideas were expanded upon, and the Europeans stole them and used that for their own glory and their own gain. And, you know, that is basically the premise of the book. People like Christopher Columbus don't deserve the credit for discovering the Americas because other groups of people discovered it first. If you listen to a previous episode, I have talked about before how there are different groups that have been disputed to have discovered the Americas. China is one of them. The Irish, the Norse, uh, also the Japanese, uh, multiple groups have also claimed to have uh, discovered the quote-unquote Americas first. But China might actually have sort of a solid claim on that outside of the Europeans. And the reason for that is the following evidence that comes from this book. Now, there are things like shipwrecks that we have pulled from the ocean. There are places that have evidence of distinct backgrounds that can be linked to the Chinese. Uh, things like um, in South America, there are chickens that are actually Asiatic chickens that have developed over time that have, you know, can only be found in Asia or brought over and not European chickens. Uh, there's different types of fruit and vegetables and things that were brought over, like rice, uh, maize, that was propagated by the Chinese ships. Like maize, for instance, did not grow in the Philippines and was brought over during the trade between the Chinese and uh, the Philippines. Um, now, of course, most of you are probably wondering, okay, Scott, I get what you're saying. You're saying that the Chinese discovered America. But why is that important? Why should I care? You know, if some group of people did it, where's the evidence? Well... That's where the Forbidden City comes in. You see, in the Forbidden City, uh, basically the emperor uh, was given the mandate of heaven, or the supposed divine rule over the entire people. It was a Chinese empire that linked trade to so many different groups of people. Now, you could argue and say that the Chinese became self-isolated because of an incident in 1421, where lightning struck the palace, the kingdom, and destroyed it, it caught on fire. And as a result of this, the emperor was seen as disfavored, dishonorable. And the quote-unquote result of this was an entire regime change, which resulted in the Chinese becoming Mandarin, and then as a result, uh, purging all of the elements of the Chinese empire before that. And when this purge happened, they destroyed the records or the proof of so-called um, ships that traveled the ocean. So it is very possible that there was evidence at one time that did link that. Um, but quote-unquote maps and things that people had as proof, journals, any sort of evidence in the Chinese empire was at least purged. What we do know, however, is that there were other Westerners who were sort of in the area and might have had access to some of these maps before they were destroyed. And they were able to impart this knowledge to people further on down the line. In other words, because of a few Europeans were lucky enough to be in the same area and maybe sort of sneak out some of this secret information to the West, it was possible for groups of people like the Portuguese to eventually start the world on a path of global colonization which you could argue was not such a good thing. 
So should we all be speaking Chinese right now? Should the Chinese really be credited with everything? Should they have created colonies? I mean, who knows what could have happened, right? If the palace hadn't burned down and the emperor wasn't disfavored anymore. Um, yeah, it's a good possibility, and according to this book, that the Chinese would have continued their colonies and their building of different ships, and they had the know-how and ability to travel across the world. So it is very likely, yes, according to this author, the Chinese would have kept coming to the Americas. They would have probably uh, started their own independent groups, and they probably would have had their own revolutions. Instead of New York, it could have been New China. Instead of the West Coast and East Coast, we could have had a whole different you know, world of events that have happened. Uh, but alas, the Chinese settlements that were here are no longer here, and the Europeans were here. So what happened to the people, right? Like That's the first question that everyone wants to know. Well, according to the author, what happened was is that a massive, massive, massive fleet had went on multiple expeditions around the entire uh, globe. And on these fleets during this time period, you would have groups of people who would unfortunately be left behind. Maybe they were prostitutes having children uh, and people starting families. Maybe, you know, they were shipwrecked survivors stuck on an island because they had limited resources of food. Either way, people were, in, in effect, according to this author, left to go alone on an island in the middle of nowhere, maybe the um, Caribbean, it could have been the Azores Islands, it could have been anywhere, you know, it could have been in a settlement in New England, it could have been a settlement in Brazil, we don't know, because that's how far the Chinese traveled, but what we do know is that those people assimilated into society and intermarried with the natives that were there, and as a result, uh, their eventual genetic gene pool dwindled into the population, and they were absorbed as if they were nothing more than people who had just lived there all along. Now, why didn't Chinese go back and rescue those survivors? Well, it's quite simple. Because of the regime change, there was no reason to go back, as I've mentioned. So a lot of these people were left with the promise of false hope, that one day they would return to the motherland, they would go back to China, but alas, there was no reason that they would ever return. And then, of course, besides the shipwrecks uh, and besides the proof of some stone settlements that are believed to have been Chinese, there are also, in addition to all this, maps and charts that do have star navigation because that is how the Chinese navigated the globe. In other words, because the Chinese were advanced mathematically more so than any other European power at this point and had the technology and know-how to build incredible ships, it's very possible that they could have navigated the globe. However, whether they did or not is another story. Okay, so that's the premise of the book, and that's it. The author just basically talks forever about, these are the expeditions, this is how amazing it is. He did this 300 years before Captain Cook discovered Australia. He did this before this. That is the entire book. So I'll save you some time there. What's my rating of the book? Well, it's quite simple. I give this book a 3 out of 5 stars. 3 because it's exciting enough to get me interested on a topic, but only 3 because, realistically, I felt like that this is reaching. And here's why. Here's why I disagreed with this book. Uh, Point number 1. One, one thing we are taught in our history classes is that when Europeans had contact with the Native Americans, uh, 
in North America or and South America, disease spread rapidly. If the Chinese were intermarrying or becoming part of the population, isn't it very possible they would have brought their diseases as well? And if so, why didn't these wipe out the Europeans? Uh, maybe there's not enough proof of this, you know, because it's kind of hard to prove something that happened in the 1400s. But, you know, realistically, if there were colonies of Chinese living in North America, you would think that, A, they would leave more evidence behind, and B, that they would have had a very big biological impact. And while I wholeheartedly agree with the fruits and plants that were probably transferred, it's also a possibility that ocean currents, for instance, carried uh, seeds or wind and other such factors could have implemented a steady spread of food and uh, plant life over time, you know, according to some arguments. Um, however, I really do think that if the Chinese were here, it's amazing how little evidence they had left. Uh, you know, we're talking about a group of people that could build very amazing things, you know, and not just the Great Wall. So if they were building things, why aren't they here? Uh, that's always my first question. Uh, or Well, that would be my second question, I guess. Um, third point that I like to bring up in all this is that, okay, so all the records have been supposedly destroyed because the Mandarins were in charge of the Chinese Empire, right? But surely someone recognized the profit that could be made from this. Wouldn't they have sold their secrets to other countries? Weren't other kingdoms that were in debt to China and the tribute system that was developed by the trading empire? Wouldn't that have meant that uh, countries such as Europe, the you know, although seen as barbarians, may benefit from navigation. You know, like that would be something that would be worth selling, I imagine. But no, we're just told that the mandarins destroyed and purged everything in the empire. Um, and so, yeah, those are the main points of disagreement I have with the book. Um, however, like I said, you'll have to read it to formulate your own opinion. That's all for today's episode. Listen next as I talk.